on this episode of Quantum Week, November 29th through December 5th, 1987. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about the hit movies, movies. the hit songs. Our headlines, our stories uh, of that time period, we are in the end of November, beginning of December 1987, talking planes, trains, and automobiles, and Valerie by Steve Winwood. Right. Uh, what do you want to talk about right off the bat? You yeah, know? so we're going, where we're going next week. Uh, we are going to August of 2019. That's the most recent one we've ever done. Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, August of 2019, okay. Marvel? No. Uh, the... Uh, the Patreon movie will be uh, Good Boys, which was actually number one that week. I have no idea what that is. How do I not know what that is? It's a comedy. Like uh, two two years ago. How do I not know that? I don't know. Had you heard of it? Yeah, I watched Had, it. Oh, watched it on airplane. Oh, I know what that is. Little Kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the super bad for Kind of. Yeah, yeah, infants. yeah. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, so that's the Patreon movie. And the, uh, the free show will be uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, there you go. The Tarantino. I mean, I already know how you feel about that, but that'll be yeah, good. Yeah, although I haven't seen it since it came out, so maybe I have. Maybe I, my feelings were cool on it, but I'm I'm very. I loved it first time I saw. It. Did they release that? Did they? They did release that in the theaters. Of course. Why did I see? I feel like I saw that. Million dollars. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I feel like I saw it really soon there. I'm almost like they they released early on, like Amazon or something. Maybe they didn't. Maybe that's the odd person where like the further closer you get to modern times, like the more the less clueless he is. He's like <laughs> complete. Complete alien, but you're the but one who like hates 19, modern times. I do, but I, at least I'm aware of what's happening yes, around me. Are, yes, in, in 1981, though, Matt, Matt could be like, "Oh, he's actually pretty." He sounds like a, like a normal human being. <laughs> but uh, yeah, when it comes to like stuff that happened, you know, pretty recently, yeah, complete alien. Okay, now I remember everything. Yes, thank you. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. Uh, but that'll be fun. That'll be a good yeah. one. I'll check out the music uh, soon. Yeah. Right. Um. Anything else you want to? The other thing I wanted to uh, talk about though was your idiot take on pop music the last time. Was that on the Patreon show? Oh, it's not. It was not. It was a Patreon show. Yes, it was, it was, not, like, it was yeah, so kind of, dumb. Not dumb. You're like, okay, this. We're talking about the war on drugs. You're like, uh, the, songs like this would never hit top forty radio. I'm like, yes, pop. It's pop music. Pop music is a collection of other genres, including oh, rock. Yada yada yada. You we really, went down you really the line. This argument here, really. You were saying crazy shit. You I was just, not crazy shit. You don't know You're, what top forty radio is. Yes, I do. But okay, uh, Mr. Jones. Was it top forty? Yeah, can't, of course it top was. forty. What do you mean? But that's a, I remember that being on top forty stations. I know. What I'm saying is the war on drugs isn't that much different than. But yet Counting it was Crows. never. Yes, it is, and it was never. It's not, it's not how the world works. What do you mean? It's not. I'm just saying a song like this could have been. That's all I meant. Is this could be a pop record? I don't think anyone is comparing Counting Crows and the War on Drugs. It's a very bizarre comparison. It's not a very bizarre. It's also a completely different time. Yes, I know, it's but like a I'm just twenty year difference. But you had you had a problem with me saying that pop was a collection of genres. No, I have a problem with you saying certain things would be on a pop station. You no. Yes. No. Yeah. Okay. Like what? Sort like rap? Uh, no. Okay. Rap, rap now dominates a good, a good portion yeah. of it. So rap. No, like, rock, so like the war on drugs, indie, for instance, was a great example. It's similar enough to the other. Uh, we you were, were 
Yes. We talked about one one headlight and the fucking uh, what's her face? The wallflowers. The wallflowers. Your favorite band. I did. Not I say did that. check I said, out. I like by the way, band. I did check. You're like. Their career has spanned decades, and I've what? listened to all this music from them. I didn't I, the say song, that. The songs that you quoted you made, were the same album as from that no, one. Who, they no, were. it's not true. They it's were. not true. No, they've had they've had like three albums. I never, I never said they that spanned Mar- decades. That Marlena's weird and, shit up. Oh, that Marlon check the tape. Marlena's and that closer to you. Yes, please do. Please, and, <laughs> please find you're the producer. Please find where I said the Wallflowers span decades. I've no, no, never no. You said were like, that. You said that you've listened to like five of their albums. I never before. said yes, that either. You did. Just making up weird shit. Marlena's and closer to you were both off that one headlight album. They were both off that same album. Uh, those are the two no, that you said. There's another song I mentioned that was on a different album. There's I another song I, I like that's off a different album as well. But they, yeah, they haven't. I say I like that band. They're not my favorite band. I, I, I like you said they were the worst Jack band Johnson. ever. They're a terrible band. He's a terrible musician. But those two songs are yeah. also awful. Right. Awful, by the way. But what my point was the Wallflowers aren't that much different than, than the uh, War on Drugs. The War on Drugs. Three minutes where they're playing the same chord. That was in the song that we were. Talking yes, about that right. day, but yes. there were plenty of other songs there. And I totally agreed with that. That shouldn't be, it was, it was on alternative radio. Right. And I agreed, no, this wouldn't, but there are other songs that would have, that could make the cut. I'm sorry, man. The war on drugs, it's never going to happen for them. It's over. Move on. It's not about that. It is. You, you love no, no. this band. I do love this band, yeah, but it's not they, about that. It's like done. No you one saying that they would never be on pop radio. Barely a Patreon you show a problem. of our band. I'm like, indie music can yeah. be on there. Rock music can be on right. there. Metal you know music. Pop, yes. It has, they, they have had, all those have, have but you played on pop music. you seem confused by genre. I brought up Spotify or Apple Music and how they separated by genre. You seem baffled. No, you know, you're saying that those like, genres. I don't do it that no, way. No, no, no. You're saying that those genres couldn't be on pop stations and you're wrong. Because all of these genres can. Rap can, indie can, did, hard rock I, I can. That's what you were saying. can't be on it. That's not what I said. You said that they. Yeah, I said, you said, they, I said, they were you said not, they're I said, not pop they're, because they're not they're, played on pop stations. And I was like, yes, right. yes, they are. Okay. They have been. Eminem has been. Of course, that was a huge hit. That's what I'm saying. No shit, Matt. Exactly. But oh, but it's like chicken before the fucking, uh, <laughs> before the egg here. You're like, well, in, in order for them to be a pop, then it has to play no, but on. But you were saying but all everything saying, was pop. No, I'm not saying That's everything. You said it in the show. No, I didn't say we're, we're, everything. We're litigating an argument that 100 people heard. So I, I, to a much larger crowd. So there were more than, really we have doing. more than 100 patrons. Yeah, these and all listen to every Patreon that. show, Matt? Yes, of course they do. Okay. They love us. Right. They particularly love me. All right. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad that you admitted you're wrong about this. And then we can say, dumb uh, shit every day. <laughs> Amazing. What will you do without me? So planes, trains, and automobiles. Unless there's anything else you want to get to. No. <laughs> How do you feel about this movie? Yeah. So this is one of the greatest comedies ever made. Um, I pulled out a list up, I guess, as we talk about this. Um, this is about as good as it gets uh, with two of the absolute greatest comedic performances ever. Yeah. Uh, it's the, it's a movie that is genuinely funny the entire length of it, but then also has amazing dramatic effects that make me cry. Every oh time God. Yes. Yes. Like, and it's so well done. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is brilliant. This is great craftsmanship. This is masterwork. This is everything that you want out of a movie. Yeah. Um, I, I've only praised. Okay. So I don't give it. So it's, if, a plus. if, if the greatest, Comedies out to me, it's Ghostbusters, but you yep. put Groundhog Day, I have Office and, Space, in there. Office Space, and all those. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would put this at the tier below that, but not that far. I give it an A minus, not an A plus. There are a few things that mm, don't really love about it, but all the things that you just said, I do absolutely agree on. These are th- these are absolutely phenomenal performances by two amazing uh, comedic actors, um, a great script, a very touching moments, 
vulnerability there that you don't get out of dramas that you're getting in this comedy. Yes. That's genuinely funny. Right. It is quite a good film. Br- brilliantly directed too. Yeah. Uh, by far, Hughes' best thing that he's ever done. Hmm. I mean, you could maybe some of the writing, th- like, hmm. I like, Fer- I like Ferris Bueller more than you do. I don't. This is significantly better than Ferris Bueller. Yes. Uh, so I guess maybe your point is accurate. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm a little warmer on his films than you are. I think Breakfast Club is good, not great. I think it's good, not great. Um, but this is still way better. National Olympics Vacation is quite good. So those are, I, and I liked those films in general, but he wrote them. He didn't direct any of them. Right. I was, about, I was really, really the first one is what I'm really specifically speaking. Because yeah. Christmas Vacation, did he write that? I forget. I'm sorry. I, I, thought, he wrote, I thought he wrote the first three. But maybe, I think you're maybe right. I'm wrong. I think you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, are those okay? are funny. Um, yeah. You're right. Yeah, he wrote those. He didn't direct them. Right, right, right. Um, I'm going through here. Let's, what, what comedies are better? Um, so you, those two, the, the first two, the two Bill Groundhog Murray's. Day. Bill, uh, and Ghostbusters. Maybe. We're saying Royal Tenenbaums is not a comedy. We usually say that, right? No. Uh, Office Space is, is better. Um, I have Observe and Report maybe better. Yeah. I, and then I this, is this, is, this is fourth. In my opinion, this is the fourth best comedy ever made. Okay. Um, I can't argue with that. I'm that high on it. Like it's that, and it might be better than Observing Report. Honestly, it might, might, might top. I haven't seen that in a couple of years. Uh, rewatching this, I rewatched this because I, I watch this pretty much every Thanksgiving. Mm. It's, it's, it's a Thanksgiving movie. Oh, it is. Yeah. And it's like the only Thanksgiving movie, but it's also like amazingly great. It holds up. So yeah. like, I've probably seen this, I don't know, 20 times. I haven't seen it forever. Every time I watch it, I laugh at something new because there's so many jokes yes. uh, in this, but they're not, they're clever and they're witty and they're quick. Um, and every time I cry at the end. Like yeah. every, every time the emotional stuff, even though like obviously now I know the emotional stuff, emotional stuff is going to happen. It's always, it always pays off. It's always effective. And it's because John Candy's brilliant. He's brilliant. Uh, and Steve Martin is too. Obviously we'll get into Steve Martin in a second. I'm sure. But John Candy, this movie, John Candy. So I have a theory here. Or not yeah. Theory. I have a, um, oh my God. Matt's cracking open the drink. What a while, <laughs> I'm man. I'm dealing right? with you. I'm going to have to drink. Oh boy. Oh boy. Listen to this comedy coming from Chrono here. So, uh, John Candy, mm. should he have been nominated for an Oscar? Yes. Yeah, I agree. So. Is he an actor or supporting actor here? My, they, my heart says supporting, but my brain says he's probably the lead. He's like a co-lead. I think it's co-lead. Yeah. So like, he, so I mean, he get a best actor nomination. Yes. But I, that like that probably never would have happened. No. Like so, let's look at supporting actor first. Okay. So Sean Connery wins for Untouchables. Okay. So like, all right. So maybe John Candy shouldn't win necessarily. Although actually, I think I actually think <laughs> this is gonna get me in trouble. Maybe I think Candy's better. In this, than Connery is an untouchable. Absolutely, he has to go so far. You have to feel. So you, so you think you don't think Connery's that good? Untouchable? No, I think he's you good. Think Candy's so great no, here. Candy is so great here. This yeah. is one of the best performances ever. I mean, you have to be annoyed with him, right? You have to feel compassion for him. Yes. You have to find him funny and charming. It's so hard to do what he did. So hard. Yeah, I think Connery's amazing in Hutchables, but 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 Candy's so good. But uh, so Albert Brooks got nominated for Broadcast News, which is supposed to be a comedy. It's not particularly that funny. Uh, I, I think Albert Brooks is is a pretty bright guy. I've read one of his books. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Defending Your Life is is an underrated movie. Yes, he's not that great in Broadcast News, and um, he's nowhere near Candy's level. Uh, yeah, Vincent Gardenia for Moonstruck, which we've seen for this show, right? And he's very good. Very good. Um, I think Candy's actually by a good length better. Yep. Um, and then two other movies that I honestly haven't seen is Denzel Washington and Cry Freedom and Morgan Freeman and Street Smart. I think uh, that's Morgan Freeman's first nomination. I don't know if it was Washington's or not. So best actor. So let's say we went down that road. Yeah. So Michael Douglas wins for Wall Street. That's a pretty great performance. It really is. Uh, I still, I don't, I don't rate that, that as high as 
Maybe others would. It is a great performance. He's really good. He is really um, good. William Hurt gets nominated for broadcast news. He's kind of playing a dummy. I, I, I think I, I don't like that movie that much. Um, I, I really think that Candy's better. Um, I don't remember seeing it. I yeah, saw it a long time it's ago. It's fine. Um, Robin Williams gets nominated for Good Morning Vietnam. It's a good performance. I don't think it's one of Robin Williams' best, it's honestly. Not, no, it's not. No way. It doesn't. Um, does not. I don't compare. think the movie is that great. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Barry Levinson film. Um, I believe. Uh, and yeah, it's okay. I think Candy's better than Williams. Candy's better. Candy's funnier. Yep. Candy makes me more emotional than like Williams. Like in the, you know, like uh, Candy brings I think more drama and more comedy. Yes. The other two nominations that year were um, uh, movies I haven't seen. Uh, Marcelo Mastriani for Dark Eyes, and then Jack Nicholson for Ironweed, which I, I haven't seen. I really I should see Ironweed. Yeah. Um. So I think Candy stacks up with, oh, I with that list of ten guys. One hundred percent. Like he's in that argument. I know. Look, we always talk about it on the show all the time. Comedy bias. It was never going to happen. Candy was never. He wasn't even nominated for um, comedy. Uh, you know how like Golden Globe separates yeah, it. The, right. Um, it didn't even get nominated. Didn't for that. get a nomination. It, there. it wasn't going to happen. Well, like, this is crazy. John Candy was wildly underrated. Absolutely, in his career. he was. Like yeah. in the real time. Do you think that had to do with him being Canadian and just sort no. of where he came up? No, he came up his weight. Yeah. Uh, it also had to do with because of his weight, the performances. Yeah. There's a few things at play. I think. Um, he made some bizarre choices for money. It's what killed him in the end. He made, of course, that Wagon East movie, which uh, he was in debt to the CFL team that he owned. Um, that's a big reason he took that job. Of course, he does it, you know, in the heat, heat, heat of Mexico, and he killed him because um, his body couldn't handle. It. He probably would have died young anyway, but it, um, yeah. it helped. No. But you know, you don't choose to make a movie like that unless you're really desperate. Um, have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I've not. Yeah. Uh, with Richard Lewis, right? Um, and um, so you know. He's also did other movies, obviously, for the money. He just made some weird career choices. Um, and he also didn't get great parts. Now, I think if he, he's such a good, if you watch JFK, he's got a small part in that. That's right. It is like a wild part. It is, you know, it is, it's very, very good in the movie. It's fantastic. He's so good in it. Um, he, he's a great dramatic actor. Yes. Um, and yet he didn't really get used right. No one really knew what to do with him. There's a lot of that, like, all right, he's big and fat. Let's have him be goofy and funny. Like, you see it in Splash. Yeah, it's, it's like the Farley thing later on. Yeah, but you see it in, like, with Splash sure. or whatever. You know, you're like, all right, he's a goofy, funny, fat yeah. guy. But, like, he can do more than that. And it's like he that really level of, well, I think studios were like, well, remember, it's the 80s too, right? So, like, all right, it's all about, like, you know, looks and, you know, money and, and power and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so, it wasn't like, all right, we can have him be, like, an everyman. That really didn't exist for a fat guy yet. No. And then... I don't think anyone just saw him in a leading role. Like, they, like that's not how 1980s producers were. If he's born 20 years later, like, I think that would work. It's like, look at Seth Rogen. Like, Seth Rogen's had, and Seth Rogen doesn't have a fucking. He doesn't have the chops. At, and I uh, like Seth Rogen. Yeah, me too. Especially, like, Does not have the chops. Freaks and Seth Rogen, like some of his other stuff. Like, Observing Reports, are great, you know. But, like, he doesn't have fucking 10%. No. Of the talent that John Candy has. That's true. And, like, and that's not an insult to Seth Rogen. That's just. That's just no, Candy's just yeah, really like, good. But John Candy is so great. And he was so under you. It's just, it's a shame. You'll watch it. Like his career should have been so much more. He could have like Goodman roles. But yeah, but like more even though, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But he did. And, he's Goodman, someone who, and Goodman, Goodman did is, both. He Goodman, did. Yeah, right. And Goodman was kind of held back by Roseanne. Cause he was like typecast. He was. Dan, yeah. You know, he's Dan quite good there though. Very good. Um, and he's really good in that show. Like he was, he's, John Goodman's like a legit great actor mm -hmm. who also I think was held back by his weight. Uh, but right. But I think I think the better comp is like Seth Rogen. Right? Just so. because of like they have him, he could do some dramatic stuff. Um, and I think that Candy could have done, if he had that kind of career, he could have done so much more. And he was so smart. And fun. like you see him on Letterman. It wasn't just a thing where like, Oh, Candy can like, he's a good like actor. He also could like do stuff on the fly yeah. quick. 
like, why wasn't he like hosting the Oscars? I mean, I get it. Back then you had a lot of like, it was Johnny Carson, just in the eighties and the nineties and moved on to like, you know, Letterman or even like Chris Rock and stuff. And he didn't last very much longer after that. I so. mean, I, yeah. right. he was dead by 94. Yeah, so Rock right. was even hosting by then. Yeah. But like, but like, why not, why, why not have him do more? Like I, I, I think you're right. I think they had a hard time putting him in things. I, I mean, yeah, I didn't know what Hughes, to do with him. Hughes didn't. Like, Hughes understood. Yeah. Because he had him in Uncle Buck. He had him in, in, Home, Alone. in Home Alone, right? And then here. Right. Like, those were the three, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then what other, uh, we did another candy movie as well, and I can't think of it right now. This is um, our fourth candy movie. Yes, that's right. Hughes in a small part in something. Shit. Now I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so John Candy, amazing. I, in fact, so watching this, I'm like, I miss John Candy so much. Oh my God. I miss him so much. Like people who miss Farley and I'm like, I love, I loved Chris Farley, but it's not, it's not the same. Like no one can be vulnerable like Candy can. No, right. We talk about it with Stallone. Like, yes. Like Stallone's the only action star you actually kind of feel bad yes. for. And Candy is the best comedian at being vulnerable. Yes. Like, like that scene, it's such a great scene. Where, and Steve Martin is so good. And we're going to so get Steve Martin in a second because I have so many good things to say yeah. about him. He's just... He's brilliant. He's so, he's so amazing. But that scene where Martin has the long rant where he's like, you're yes. the chatty Kathy yes. doll. You know, and he, but only oh, you keep pulling the string. <laughs> yes. And then it cuts to Candy and his whole face just falls. Like drops. it just falls apart. Yep. Like it's all open and there and vulnerable and it's just all present for us to watch. And it's heartbreaking because I, I, he takes his shoes off on the plane and you can, you can fit like visually smell his feet yes. through, you know, and, and he's so annoying and you know, he's trying hard, but he's so annoying. But yet when you see that vulnerability, you at the same time as Neil feel bad for him. Cause Neil, after he goes on his rant, he, he immediately, Oh, Neil feels so he bad. He immediately um, feels so bad. Yeah. Oh, Neil feels and you, awful. And you feel it with him because he's so vulnerable. It's, it's, it's almost like Candy, you know, Candy kind of brings on himself, that character, because he is so open. Yeah. He's almost like, and he does, he's like, oh, you can hurt, you can take shots. I mean, I get it. I'm this, he, yes, but he, it's almost like that, like when you're that personality type, you almost kind of, honestly, asking for it, but you almost kind of bring it on yourself. You do. Because you make yourself, because you're so open and out there. And it's, it says a lot about humanity uh, that that's the first person we want to kind of throw daggers at. I know. Is the person that is eager, earnest, right. open, kind. Like, who do you relate to more in this movie? <laughs> well, uh, Steve Martin, actually. I think everyone does, right? Yes. But you have, like, you have a lot of John Candy in you, though. Like that character. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I think you have like, more of the John Candy character than I, than I am. I want like, to try to do the right thing. But like, Dell's like the good person in this movie. Though. He is. Like, I know. Neil, I was thinking Neil, the same thing. Neil's what, is not. It, what does it say about humanity that this is the person that we want to beat the shit out of? Right. Because we have all known this guy. I mean, nowhere near as funny or as charming, but we've all known guys like that right. who are just nice, like trying to do the right thing, but, but like socially weird and but annoying. annoying. Yeah. And you just want to just like, mm, yeah. But you like, just want to like, punch him. Almost like too kind or too much. It's like, all right, like, 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 I think you are, you have a lot of Dell in you. I'm, uh, you, have a, you have a lot of Neil like in you too. Like 10% Dell. <laughs> Maybe 20. <laughs> but like, I don't think I have like much Dell in me at you all. You don't. And no. it's like, ah, oh, that's, that's, you know, that's something I kind of like, I've been trying to actually work on more. It's like, all right, kind of being more like go with the flow, being more like just kind of chill about stuff. I and mean, it's a challenge for me because my instinct, my gut feeling is always to go the Neil route. And like, but I don't think that is the best way to live no but i would absolutely if i were getting out the shower and bathroom that they shared were destroyed oh, and i'm walking across right. in my bare feet or i stick my hands in the sink with his sock in it i would react the exact same motherfucking way him taking his shoes off in the car or in the right. fucking plane i would be ape shit over that 
absolutely apeshit. Yeah. It's so gross, and you see it, and it's very sad because you're right. This He's just comfortable with himself in a way and self-deprecating enough. He has to be comfortable enough with himself, Dell does, that he can be earnest and open, and that type of person and personality you should want on your side. Those are the good ones, but they annoy the fuck out of you. Yeah, there's a lot to take in with Dell. Uh, Spaceballs, by the way, is the other jacket. That's yeah. what it was. Yes. Um, which is, he's, which he's good. good. Uh, yes, he's a mom. Movie, movie kind of stinks. Movie kind of stinks. Uh, he but, makes me laugh. Right. Um, yeah, so John Candy is... Uh, uh, he's he's so brilliant. And then we have Steve Martin. And Steve Martin is... So Steve Martin is uh, one of my five favorite entertainers ever. Like, he is... He's the greatest in so many ways. Um, even his show... Uh, only murders in the building. Have you seen that yet? I haven't seen that. You should watch that. Yeah, it's, it's very good. Yeah, um, he's fantastic in it. Um, his stand-up routines were great. I loved his stuff on SNL where he was kind of playing off the concept of celebrity and ego. He, if you've never seen it, uh, maybe I don't know. Matt has or younger yeah. listeners may not. I mean, like he would come on and be like, "Oh, I'm Steve Martin." Like you know, well, excuse me. Like yes. uh, like he pretended to be this big deal, but it was obviously like mocking fame. Sure. But I love that he was willing to make himself. The butt of the joke. Not even that. Make himself the bad guy, mm. but yet he's so smart and actually trusted the audience so much and gave us so much. He's a bad guy kind of often. Yes, he is. Because you think like Little Shop of Horrors, like even My Blue Heaven, he's a good guy, but he's yeah, still a bad guy. But here he's the uptight here, guy. Here, like here in the standard routine, I think are the clearest ones because they're more like relatable, quote unquote, yeah. bad guys. They're more like realistic bad yeah, guys, if you will, but they're Downs not really are. like bad. Like especially Neil isn't necessarily bad. No, he's not. Um, But yet they do... But like, if it was anyone else, you'd like you'd hate Neil. And if it was anyone else, you would hate Steve Martin's stand-up routine. But Steve Martin was so smart, and it must have been how he either moved or used his language or what have you. And I, I was really trying to watch it closely in this film, just kind of how he reacts to stuff. But he does it in a way where it's, it's relatable. But then does it in a way where like, yeah, you kind of like don't like this guy. Yes. But he's brave enough to be like, yeah, I don't really like. I'm cool with you like not really digging me here. I'm cool with not be, just as John Candy's very brave to make his whole soul be out there all the yeah. time. Uh, Steve Martin's really brave to have like his like, I don't know, kind of that like over intellectual s- snobby attitude out there all the time. You're right. It's the snobby asshole that yeah. he's presenting to the world, and that's and that's he's what really we're good at doing that. He is really. But then good. he's re- he's really. But yet you never walk away from Steve Martin go film going. Oh, Steve Martin's a snobby asshole. I don't know how I don't know why it works with him. Like like you know it's an actor. I know it sounds simple, but like. It's very easy to confuse the two sometimes. And I think actually I confuse it with John Candy. Although everything I've read about John Candy is he's a really open guy Seated. and he is really vulnerable. Well, did you read the Ebert review of I this did, too yeah. where he talks about going and sitting next to him and drinking with him for like a few hours or something like, and really depressed time. And yeah. really depressed and not feeling like people liked him and just having a hard time. And that's so sad to me. He's like- Alone in a bar? Like John are Candy? Like are you kidding me? Guy I would world. love to spend time with John of Candy. Of course. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And um, and everything I read is like he was this like really like kind person that really took stuff to heart really easily. I, don't, mm. I wonder how he would have done like social media stuff that might not have been great. No. Um, but um, yeah, I uh, so maybe I am also conflating the two with Candy. Maybe he was. I'm sure at times he was snobby asshole too. Every, he's a human being. Everyone, yeah, I'm sure. sure everyone. But like perfect. Steve Martin though, I feel is really good at like, creating that divide. I feel like he fully embraces these snobby asshole characters. And he kind of, like a little bit in Only Murders in the Building, he, he kind of comes off as super uptight. He's so good at doing that. He's great at it. Um, and then Martin Short's kind of like this wacky, wild character. And, he, and Martin Short can annoy me, and he's really good in that show. Um, but Martin is so good at working with different kind of 
other comedians as well because he's really generous with jokes. Like Candy has more jokes here. I don't he really does. Steve Martin I think, seems fine with that. He's he gets the jokes where he can. Like I I don't know. Like Martin is so great. So I can't recommend this book enough. It's called Born Standing Up. I think I. Maybe yeah, you said a couple times in the show, but every time he comes up, I'm going to keep saying it because it's so great. It's maybe the best autobiography I've read in my life. It's just about his time, basically from when he was a teenager. Uh, he were, uh, When he was like, I think 11 or 12 is when um, Disneyland was built. Oh, interesting. And he lived right around the corner. So he huh. took his bike and got a job as like a magician in the magician shop. Oh, really? So that's where he kind of learned like, oh, like performing and like yes. some of the stuff being funny and illusions and things like that. And then he did it, I think, all throughout high school. And then he ended up going to college and he got getting a job with the Smothers Brothers TV show, which Smothers Brothers was a brilliant show um, that really kind of went after Nixon in, in a very comedic way, but yes. in a way that really kind of irked the establishment um, and ended up getting canceled because of pressure from sponsors. And he, they got canceled, like, literally got like, canceled, canceled, like in our parlance, they got canceled. And uh, but Seymour was a writer on that show. And then he ended up doing stand up, and he ended up... Um, basically becoming so successful that he was doing arenas like major stadiums. Oh yeah. And he's I've like, seen some of the films. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, why am I doing this? Like it, he said that it got to a point where he was so famous. And he doesn't say it with any ego, like you, Hey, it happened. It was real. He yeah. really was that popular, but he's like, people weren't laughing at my jokes. They were just laughing. Cause they knew me like they're, Oh, I recognize that guy on TV. I'm going to laugh or like, like, like people also couldn't even hear my jokes in a stadium. Like they can't see the facial Right. Things I'm making, the moves I'm making, they can't see what I'm really doing physically. Yeah, it's hard to do comedy in a state. It's impossible. Like the best comedy rooms, the best one I've ever been to is a comedy cell in New York. That yeah. room is fucking tiny. It's yes. size, not much, twice the studio. Like it, we're in Matt's, like, what, like a fifth oh, of your like, basement? Less than that, even a tenth? A tenth of, oh, there's, uh, yeah, it's like, I don't know, 120 square feet in here. So maybe the cellar is like 400 feet at most, 300 yeah. feet. Like it's tiny. Um, and uh, it's so small in there. Yeah. Like, like, and, but it's the best room because it's that intimate. Like to do comedy in a stadium doesn't work. Uh, he's like, why am I? So he quit in 79. He quit and he didn't, and went back. Uh, you know, he does like, he does banjo stuff. Yes. Oh, he, yeah. he's, he's, That's the other thing is he's so talented. He's a legitimate musician, right? He is a legitimate banjo player. He's <laughs> legitimately talented. So, he, so he's also a legitimate novelist. Yes. Fiction. Yes. And nonfiction. Yes. And he is a, I think he's a great actor. He's a great actor. Great comedic actor. And TV movies, by the way, both. Yes. And he, uh, he was a great stand-up. Yes. And he did, I guess, so no, he can do sketch. Right. He literally can do everything. He can. He's he's maybe the smartest, most brilliant entertainer of our time. That's of probably all right. time. That's probably right. There's no one. So you're, so in this movie, we get, not only do we get Steve Martin, this amazing talent. I, 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 I hope we cover more Steve Martin films. Cause Me too. This, Cause there's some movies in there aren't like something like Roxanne, right? Like Roxanne is- a, I loved Roxanne growing up. It's a up. perfectly good movie. Yeah. But like he makes that like way better than it should be. Yeah. Because he's so great. He's so great. Um, I, I I would I, I hope we do cover more Steve Martin films in this uh, in this show because we haven't we haven't done enough of them. This is our first one, right? I, I, we have we've done none. That's not like no My Blue Heaven, no no uh, oh, Roxanne, yeah. no what what other uh, no Ellie story. Yeah, even like goofier ones like The Jerk or Three. No Amigos. The Jerk. Um, no the, right the three. Oh my god, I'd movie, love to cover Three. It's a movie he did called. If you're looking for a movie to watch and you're you kind of like oh I've I've seen Plain Strange Automobiles a million times. Uh, a simple twist of fate. Now, this is not a very funny, it's not a funny, it's a drama. Uh, Steve Martin plays this guy. It's a bizarre film. It's very weird. It's not particularly a great film, but it's a very good performance by him. I really walked away really enjoying this movie, maybe more than I should have. I saw it randomly at the, at the Lilac Mall when I was a teenager. It's bored, looking for something to do. And he plays this guy, this lonely guy, who gets a, a baby dropped off on his doorstep, basically. Hmm. 
And he raises a kid, but then as the kid gets older, they try to take the kid away from him um, because it's, he's not the real, he's not the father. And then he just, maybe, right. I forget the mother comes back. Something happens where it could be, and he has to go to court, but it's not a courtroom drama. It's more about his relationship with this kid and how, and just also just like, just, it's just Steve, it's a lot of Steve Martin. And I, I could just watch Steve Martin do anything. I could watch him run down the street all day. He, he's ridiculous. He's a ridiculous runner. Um, he flaps around. How great is that opening scene with Kevin Bacon? <laughs> That's I mean, great. Uh, he's a great, so that's the other thing too is we get Candy and Steve Martin both are very good physical comedians. Yes. Martin especially is fantastic. Yes. He's even good in uh, Only Murders in the Building. He still does physical, physicality really well. Mm. Um, yeah, Steve Martin, brilliant. Uh, I, I mean, I really have nothing but praise and we can get in some of the, uh, the negatives. Oh, we can do that too. I was going to say we can get some of the nitty gritty of this film. Oh, Let's yeah, talk sure. some negatives though. Well, a uh, big negative for me is I had a hard time with the score. Oh, I, I know, I know. I saw the same fucking thing. No, not, was it Eber or somebody else? Oh, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see him say that. Maybe no, he did. No, it wasn't Eber. I'm sorry. I saw another review say that. It, bo- it bothers me. I just don't, I think it's really hard to make kind of non-specific rock work. So are you talking the score or are you talking like the soundtrack? Well, the soundtrack is the score in this case. I don't even, is there- There is some orchestration. Is there orchestration? Yeah, there is. I didn't really catch her. It didn't, it didn't really like, you know. So I love the soundtrack. Do you really? Yeah, I just, I I, I, it's like sort of that 80s. It happens a lot. In Mess this around is so much fun. I, well, that song's fine. Yeah. Uh, I love the- But it's I mostly love- like nondescript rock that's happening. Like when they're traveling, when they're not, you know, you see a truck going or whatever. It's, it's a lot of like nondescript rock. I just, it, it pulls me out. I don't like it. I don't think it added anything to it. I think it dates it. I think it makes it sound like the 80s. Some of it is dated. I actually, I don't mind it. I enjoy it. I enjoy, maybe it's also some, uh, you know, tradition for me. I've seen this movie so many times that when some of the stuff swells up. It just makes you laugh. Or cry. Oh. Um, yeah, I kind of just, I kind of just enjoy it. I don't know. I, I really actually, I, I, I like the soundtrack. This movie a lot. Okay. I don't. That, 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 that pulled me out a little bit. What else you got? That's not it. That's I choose, I choose, to, I choose to, to dismiss that. You just dismiss that? I wave my hand It's it. a little slow in the first act. Maybe oh, the first no! half hour, 40 oh, minutes. And it, dra- it drags a little it until it really pulls you in. So when does it pull you in? This is a terrible I think take. maybe when they're on the plane. Oh, so it's not even the first act then. No, like- maybe it's like the first 25, 30 minutes. 30 minutes? It, this is a short movie, right? Isn't it like it's 90 only 92 minutes. minutes? 92 minutes. Yeah, so I don't know. I think it's even quicker than that. Maybe. We're on the plane. 25 so minutes. We, so. Sorry. So it opens with. It opens with uh, he's in the office building. Right. He's with, waiting for with his, Ferris Bueller's dad. Right. With Yes, exactly. Um, We talked about on, on Kirk's show today. Uh, th- that actor went on to play in Beverly Hills 90210. He was the That's dad right. in 90210. Yep. Uh, for, for a second, and then he got fired. Uh, but. um. But right, so I always thought that was Ferris Bueller's dad. Like that was actually like he's playing. Oh yeah, I mean, he, but he's he, it's a different name. I checked the credits. Oh, so like, is I see. Because they're both going back to Chicago. That's true. In a wealthy neighborhood, That's like a good that point. might be Ferris Bueller's. But it, I guess it was a different name. It should have had cool. to be the same character. Yeah, yeah. Ben uh, Ben Stein in here. Ben too. Stein's in here as well. Right? Yeah, right. Um, Who cares? But all right, so we're in, they're in the office in New York. I think that's fine. You go it's to the elevator. Fine. It's a little bit long with the guy watching. That. I guess it's kind of funny, but it's a oh, little. It's funny. It's it is. It's it also a like bit. it's a it's a break from like the pace of the movie is pretty frenetic. Well, but we don't see that until later. Right, but it's a fun little. I don't know. I like how it starts off so because then it makes that build that's up. That's what better. I mean. Is like it sort of pulls you in by the time they that's get like on the plane. That's like a two minute scene. The next thing we know, he's. Well, we didn't even we say what it was. Kevin Bacon so, stuff. so wait, hold on. So, so uh, I don't know. The boss or some guy yeah, that's trying to sell marketing is looking at a piece of marketing and it just sits there looking at it. For two minutes, basically, is what we get. We know Steve Martin has to go. Right. So we've yeah. all been there. Like, like yeah, I, we have I, been I, there. Catch this plane. Like, what the fuck is Let's go. And That's the boss true. is wasting his time looking at nothing. Yes. Um, and I love how it ends with, like, oh, let's just reconvene after the holiday. I know. So then, but then the very next scene is a good Yeah, that's a good one. Great. The cab? Yeah. 
That's a good and one. And then we're in the and we're on the plane. Mm. And then we're on the plane. What happens right after the plane? Oh, uh, the airport. The he airport. meets John Candy at the airport. Oh, he sees right. him again. He's like, "Oh, can I buy yeah, you a soda?" Yeah, it gets a little go- slow until they get over it's like to the one minute scene. Until they get over to That's the. Terrible. Uh, this is not a dumb. This, take this at is all. one of the worst things. I, I felt like it was. What do you want me to say? Drag me it's a little. It's a fucking eight minutes thing you're talking about. Yeah, about twenty five minutes. Four of those minutes are a great chasing with the cab and Kevin Bacon. That's awful. That's dumb. I don't think that's dumb at all. A minus. A minus. I think your score, I, I, I choose to dismiss the score. I take, so I'm not even acknowledging that. I wave my hand at that. A minus. That's foolish. And then I think the other thing is I'm wrong. being hypercritical here. It was a little bit draggy in the first beginning of it. The and the score the first, is first, not amazing. The first 80 seconds, Matt thought was boring. Other than that, I love the movie. Oh, the first 80 seconds. You can try seconds. to minimize it all you want, but I, I bet will. everybody else who watched this film feels the same no, way. It really knows. starts to get no. cracking once they get on the plane and off it. And then, uh, and then they're off to the races. crack this fucking show. What? Would you like to? <laughs> Uh, try. Oh, I wouldn't mind doing a show with you all cracked out no, just to see what happens. Why don't you try? Why don't you try some on your own? I'm not. I don't yeah. need to. Nope. Do some hot nope. batches nope. first. See how that works. Hot. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, lens back. Uh, but that's it. So you want to get into some of the nitty gritty? I don't want to bash this movie, dude. I give it. A, it's a. It's a really good movie. Really good with two amazing performances. Okay. Hughes does a pretty good job too. Yeah. Yep. Great. So okay. So this is something I think I. I don't know if you might. This might be one of your little critiques. That's Carano's critiques. Carano's corner of critiques. Uh, but uh, the end, I love this. I can see how some people might think this is over direction. So uh, Steve Martin is on the train on the subway. Yes. And he gets flashbacks. and they're, but, or, or not even flashbacks, just like quick images. Quick, yeah. But that's kind of like how memory works, I think. Yes. And I think it's actually pretty good. It's like, it's like quick shots of like a turkey or a candles or like his kids smiling faces or his wife or it's quick. And then it kind of bled, it bleeds into like things. And I like it, it's things that he said. It's kind of how we remember, at least how I remember things, like something I might say that maybe like wasn't maybe the best or, or even if it was like, it's always kind of like. Yeah, you're going to judge yourself. Yeah, like judging, like judging yeah. things that I said. And it's like that fight he has with, with Candy. And then he starts to like think more about it. And he kind of puts together the fact that Candy actually, he realizes Candy is, is alone. He's yes. Like, he, doesn't know, he doesn't know his wife is dead. He knows. No, he doesn't. He knows that like some, something's He's not really, going home. Something's wrong. Candy was getting him home. Right. Not going, not, not home, going home himself. Home. Right. Which is like, yeah, why? It, it, I, actually, I'm trying to put myself back to when I saw it the first time. I don't know, but I would imagine thinking like, oh my God, yes. Afterward, when Neil yeah. realizes, oh my God, yes. Why would he just be going all the way to Chicago with him sort of randomly? Right. Like, he doesn't live there. Where the fuck does well, he We don't live? know where he lives. Right. Exactly. And you realize because Neil was so selfish, Neil never even thought to ask. Never thought to ask. Um, and, um, and it breaks him. Yeah, and he realizes, and then um, and then they pick But I wonder if that, I think those images are great. I, li- I like seeing Neil figure it out that way. Um, but I Me guess too. maybe someone wouldn't like that. I think it's a really good direction by Hughes. And then, um, so, you know, obviously he says his wife, is de- and it's important there. So there's two things that are really important here. It's about perspective and perspective is really important in film. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we talk about it enough in this show, but um, we get the perspective of, you know, John Candy says, Hey, my wife's dead. My wife's gone. But then we see it from it's Steve Martin's face. We watch the reaction on it's not John Candy. Yeah. We watched Steve Martin react to it. Yeah. And we watch Steve Martin kind of process the idea of, Oh, I'm going to bring this guy home for Thanksgiving. Yep. But like you see it through his eyes. So then we go home. And so that, that scene kind of makes me well up. So I'm already kind of like vulnerable here. And then we go home and he's like carrying that stupid case. <laughs> I know, I know. And then he introduces him to his like, what, to the, like the, whatever, the in-laws and yes. the kids and shit. And then, uh, you know, the wife comes down and um, the wife's always very cold. This movie. But, but she I, is. But I bet like Neil would be with the cold. Well, like, Probably. you know what I mean? Like, we don't get to meet her very much either. We, we see her a lot of it was bit. cut out. We'll talk about that in a second. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, very, it's very cold. But I, I, you can't, I, Neil wouldn't be with a goofy, fun woman. I don't, I don't think. think so. 
because um, he's so uptight. So, so he'd be annoyed by that. I think so too. Um, so he kisses her, and then like it's watching John Candy's face because then we watched. Then it switches to Candy's perspective. Yeah, and we see John Candy's face watching someone be loved and so much warmth in that house. The family's so happy to see him. And even like looks down, like to give him their privacy for a second. He looks, too. Exactly. And then he looks up and he gives a fake grin. And so it's a quite a take, like it's a, a grin we've all given before of like yeah. this polite. Yes. And he's not angry. He's happy for his friend, but he's so sad of what he's lost. Yeah. And that's the movie. And it ends on that. That's it. Which is wild. Cause it's wild. Really not an uplifting ending. It's not. It's actually a very sad. Ending. You get the brunt of like the, the emotional weight of the drama in the last two minutes of the film. Yes. It's like, and it just, that, that's, I mean, I, for me, that's what like keeps you thinking afterwards. Oh, absolutely. And there is other drama in the movie. Like, you know, we have the, like we mentioned the chatty Cathy thing, you know, from, yes, it's funny. Steve Martin's very funny, but John Candy is playing that very dramatic. It's very like real. And like, he's so vulnerable there. And then even like when he's in the car and like, the car, the burnt car, which is one of the funniest things it in the film, that burnt car makes me laugh every fucking time. <laughs> but he's in that burnt car and he's like talking, you know, just talking to his wife or, you know, talking to no one really. Yeah. Um, and just cold out there. And you understand why Neil like, like, like that, that's going to cost Neil like $10,000. Like that car, like that's an expensive. You're right. It's on his credit card. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. That's like a huge he deal. should be pissed off at him. Yeah, he should be. But like, but you also like, yeah, like John Candy's reaction there is so, it's so sad. Really um, sad. And, but all right. But the end though, you're right. That emotional wallop in that last two minutes though. But, but I feel like they earned that though. Like the movie is good enough where it, it, that. It absolutely did. It wasn't just thrown together. Well, because you're just making the same realizations that Neil is at yes. the end of the movie. And then you think back and you're like, wait a minute. Candy never, Candy never called his love of his life. Candy never called his wife. I know. You know, like you're starting to have those realizations too. And he's it's so like, selfish. You couldn't see past himself no. and trying to get home that he missed out on all that. And, but the difference here though, is the perspective. So like the entire movie, we're really, it's really Neil's we're journey. Neil's, right. Exactly. And Cause we we're kind, annoyed with, we Kenny. relate with Neil, yes. but we're also just like watching it. You know, movie opens with Neil. Like we're yep. watching it from Neil's perspective. Right. Neil has to get home. But the second Neil's home, it's everything switches to candy. And it's like, Oh no. See, we're not left with Neil's victory we're left with Candy's loneliness. We are. And that's really important because, you know, I, you know, we have fun on the show and, and everything, but like for a lot of people, like, and I'm, I'm so lucky where this hasn't been the case for me. I have great, I have family I get along with and, and, and supportive and most of them are alive. But like, you know, holidays for alone people, for people who are alone, that's a miserable fucking experience. It is. I imagine. Like that's gotta be awful. Because yes. everyone else has, you know, the rest of the other 360 something days a year, you can fake it till you make it. Hey, you know, whatever, you know, hey, you know, we're all kind of getting through this thing on our own. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll go to work, whatever. But now think about you're alone on, on the holidays. It's like, all right, so now am I alone? Everyone else is with people they love. I can't even go to work to like, you know, um, distract yeah, myself. the time, right. Like I, now I'm just stuck, you know, like I think it's so great that Hughes made a movie for the lonely people because, you know, everyone... And it, and it doesn't mean you're did anything wrong. Like, what if you're older? Like, this could happen to all. What if you're the only, only child and your parents die and you just whatever you're you're single. Yeah. And whatever, maybe you don't have an extended family. That's pretty. That you didn't do anything wrong. No. Or like, like loneliness. Like, look at like Laura. Like we talked about it on the show, the the Christmas episode. Like Laura, it's a different situation to, to some extent. But like, there's a right before we started going out. She was in her apartment and we had a kind of a weird freaky snow ice storm and she wasn't able to leave her place and her parents live in Massachusetts. Yeah. So she spent the whole day by herself. 
And she's like, it was awful. And like, she still had people she could call and talk to. And but it's not the same. It's not the same. No. She's like, that sucks. Particularly if you had a tradition since you were a child. Right. Or, or you've been married for a long time and you've had a tradition with them for a long right. time. So you understand. So I guess that's more like that's the, more the Neil situation yes. than, uh, than the John Candy yes. one. Um, but the John Candy one, like, the thing that sucks for John Candy's situation, though, is different than ours or anytime maybe, you know, some other folks have been alone. Is like, all right, at least you, you know you'll see your parents the next day. Right? Sure. But, um, but you know, what does John Candy's next day look like? Now, he obviously hope we hope that his, that Cardell finds a new one. Like, he's we a young do. guy. We hope that he find, yes. he can have that experience. But, man, like, in that moment, though, that's not going to make him it's feel any better. It's all, and it's great that Neil, like, you know, I'm sure Neil's kids will be a fun distraction and stuff. But, like, when he goes to sleep that night, and probably he'll probably crash at their place maybe yes, or whatever. He will, or, he will, he will. Who knows, you know, but like, he's still going to be alone. He will. Yeah. And hopefully it, it, well, for me, it helps me build empathy for people like that too. Or once again, we're talking about Absolutely. earnest people who are trying to do the right thing. They annoy the piss out of you, but they're good people and they're alone. Like build some empathy for these people. And it shows too, like, you know, like I said, we, we find that show and everybody like from like, from a human point of view, like, we don't know what other people are dealing with. No. Like, you don't know what someone else is going through. Like, the whole movie, we think we, you know, this guy put an illusion on. We think we understand what John Candy's character is going through. We think we know what Dell is going through. But we really don't, actually. No. We have no idea what Dell is going through. No. And Dell did nothing wrong. We're I'm, so selfish. We know exactly what Neil's going through. Right. No we're idea. We're so focused on ourselves because Neil is us in theory in this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what John Candy is going through, it's so funny. The drama of this movie actually is not the drama. But the drama of this movie is Dell's journey. And, yeah. and Dell's and Del, journey has no end either. Like, it just, it's, he's still going to be only. It's, it's, in a lot of contexts, this movie has so many different, like, I think that's why it's so rewatchable. Yeah, too. it is. It is. Um, it is. And, um, but then also the jokes hold up. It's just a fantastic film. I cannot say enough good things about it. I said, this might be my third, you know, I flipped with Observing, I haven't seen Observing Report in a while. I, mean, I need to rewatch that one again soon. But this is, a, this is as good as it gets. It's very good. Yeah, very good. Brilliant. Um, Anything else about this? I did see that uh, that there potentially would make a remake of this. Not that I want to talk about. I don't want to fucking do it. All right. Uh, I guess the shot last movie. Oh yeah, one thing I do want to bring up the yeah. uh, the wife. Oh right. Um, we were, you so you said so there was a bunch. Did, of I guess the original cut was like three and a half hours long or something. What? I don't know. <laughs> I know people. Do Jesus this. Christ. But, I mean, they weren't going to release that. They knew. No, like, no, 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 no. But I guess there was a whole subplot, which which makes sense if you think about it. So um, there's a whole subplot where the wife thinks Neil is cheating. And it does explain one scene that always is, I always had a question about. So Neil calls home and he's like, I'm in Wichita. And just, what's going on, Neil? He's like, I don't know. I need to get home. Like, right. But you're like, why would anyone react like that? Right, I know. We don't have the context where apparently she thinks he's been cheating. He hasn't been, I guess, but they took all of that out. It's also another reason why she's so cold. She is really cold. Even like when they talk on the phone. She's just. And she's it also not, explains like why at times she's like crying in this film. You're like, uh, why is she crying? Like, yeah. It's sad that she's like, it sucks that he's like not I home mean, on the day before Thanksgiving, but he's a businessman. He's probably away a lot. Like, what are we? And there's snowstorms and shit. I mean, shit happens when yeah, you're trying like, to why travel. Are we from New York. Like, I always think, I always think the wife's reactions is so odd, but I think it's odd because we just, we didn't get the full story. So we don't really know what these other. No, we don't. But that was so, but then that's a director's, that's a director and the editor making those decisions there. You can't give this an A plus when that happens. You have to be yes, on more my, my side of things. No, it's still an A plus. It movie. made no sense. Pulp Fiction is an A plus movie, but there still has some flaws. I know, and I don't want to beat this up either. I really like it. <laughs> it's an A plus movie. Your 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 A minus. Your criticisms were foolish. Ah, uh, you had criticism. You just gave a criticism. I have criticism. It's more of a fact. Mm. But if but yeah, I think, a little blind. Right, so I say it was a criticism. My criticism was, I think was valuable and made sense. <laughs> where yours was just kind of well. Know. It was the first time for everything. Yeah, kind of. Not really. <laughs> Didn't have a lot of value. Oh, good comeback. Thank Uh, you. Snappy. I think it's pretty quick. 
Well, it was quick, but it wasn't really. Like, right, I'm sorry I didn't pass the the chrono. But I'm just there. saying, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a little critique with one of the, the characters, mm. actually, it, it, she didn't bother me that much. It, it, it was just, a little weird, though. Well, I, like I've seen this movie a lot, so to me, I always think it's kind of funny. I'm like, this wife's like weird. Yeah, like, yeah. This is a weird person. But now I was like, oh, now I kind of know the joke. It's not as fun anymore. Right. Because I used to like, I, I used to like to laugh. Like, like, Why is she crying? So like, she's this woman is so like, she's so angry. He's a Wichita. Like, what's going on? But uh, now we know why. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah, great movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, my God, what are you doing? Stop. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Do the movie. Valerie. Valerie by Steve Winwood. Can we talk about Steve Winwood a little bit first? Yeah. This motherfucker, born in 1948, joins the Spencer Davis group. Yeah. 14 years old. They've got um, my favorite. So the most famous is probably Give Me Some Lovin'. Yeah. Top 100 song for me. Uh, it's a very good song, but honestly, my favorite. Oh, my I'm a man. Yeah. So good. Keep He's like 16 years old. It's crazy. It fucking make any sense. ridiculous. Those songs. He's a. He's like. He's a teenager. He is a goddamn teenager. And uh, and give me some loving. Of course, is part of the best um, opening of any song I've ever heard in my entire life. Play your oh, I love it so much. Girl talk. There it is. Play your part. UGK! So good. Another top line song. It's... Two, I, he has two. It's crazy. I love I that that first. So it's the first song off that album. Was it house house party? Uh, it's a player. Oh, the album is. I think the that's right. House yeah, party. Yeah. So player uh, part is girl talking. GT is written in like flames in the front yard of this house. Yes. Uh, play your part in part one of what, what that song's called. And it's one of my top one hundred songs. And give me some love in the top one hundred song. That song is awesome. That song is awesome. Incredible. Great album. If you haven't heard that album, check it out. It's hard to find because of uh, copyright issues. Yeah. Um, it's all samples. The beginning, um, it's, it's honestly, it's my favorite, for, favorite beginning I, of any song ever. Zero it's, argument. For some reason, I don't know why, but it is, it is the a, perfect mashup of two things. A UGK um, and, uh, it's the and greatest, Give Me Some Love. It's, it's one of the greatest it's so things good. ever. It's one of the greatest things ever. It just pumps me up every single every fucking time, time I hear mood. it. I'm like, it is, let's I, do I, this. I, as much as Chrono says insane things in the show on a regular basis, you could not be more right. <laughs> no, all kidding aside. Show over. All, 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 all kidding aside. Like, that is no, you, so good. That is the best open of any song. That song is incredible. If that so song good. doesn't make you like, and the, you know, the rest of the song is awesome too. It's, oh, the yeah, open, the, the open's the best part. I agree. Open's the best part. But, but I mean, the rest and it goes song, into my uh, open, my love, open the door. The, uh, it's, it's, it's so cool. It's incredible. The whole album is really good. That first song though is, it's just. I mean, it's just. It's, it's so good. Perfect. It's all time. It, perfect. It, it's mashups. Just the cleverness of it's hard. <laughs> There's subtlety and the cleverness of the mashup. It, 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 there's nothing better. There's nothing more clever. There's nothing more perfect. When it's of done two right. Two things put together. When it's that. done. When yeah, it's when, done. when it's done right. But, and that is done. That is done perfect. There's right. no better Incredible. way to yeah. do it than what they just did. No, there. I, I love that song. Um, okay. So that's Spencer Davis. So he's a teenager. Then he goes to traffic. He's 19 years old and he does traffic, which is feeling all right. And dear Mr. Fantasy. Great song. Two other good songs. 
19 years old. So he's got like four fucking great songs released by the time he's 19 years old. Then he goes to Blind Faith with Eric Clapton and Ginger Baker, uh, the two members of Cream before that. Um, Can't Find My Way Home, another good song. Great song. Uh, 1969. Um, Ginger Baker's Air, then he goes to Ginger Baker's Air Force when Claire, uh, Clapton leaves. He's, he's, all, he's, he's 21 years old. He does Blind Faith, the second album in 1970. 1970. He does The Who's Tommy as Captain, uh, Captain Walker in 1972. He's this early 20-year-old kid. On and on. Um, eventually, he gets tired of touring. Because he, he's been touring since he's 14 fucking years old. And he gets tired of touring, and he just does all this session work with all these other musicians out there, whether it's other Clapton projects or Ginger Baker projects or whatever. And... The reason why he can do that is because he's a great musician. He's a great keyboard player. He plays key. He plays all sorts of the, I have a vivid memory where he's doing, I think he's doing, I can't remember what song it is, but I have, I have a vivid memory of that. The image of him playing keyboards is this teenage teen. I don't know if it's a Woods, it wasn't Woodstock, something. He's a teenager on stage playing the fuck out of keyboard, screaming his face off. And he's, he's a great musician. So Finally ends up doing his first solo album in 1977. And then 1980s is where he kind of gets his rebirth in the 1980s of, right. of his hits. And that's where we are now. Um, Valerie, I really love this song. Which version? The first version. Me too. The second version's odd, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. Um, this album, the album that this one is on is Chronicles. It's like a great, not kind of a greatest. The remix on Chronicles. Uh, the remix is on Chronicles. Right. And that's right. the one that we're talking that's about. That's right. the one we're right. talking about right now. Because the first time it came out was in 1982. Right. It charted, but hit 70 on the Hot, so hot weird, 100. Right? Very this strange. Happened a couple of times where like a song like three, four, five years ago, Con- and they do it again. Yeah, people liked this. Well, it's because he had the hit uh, in 1986. Uh, he had um, High Life, Back in the High Life. It's that a great that song, album. Though. Oh, that album's very good. So it is he, very good. So that album and then the album after Chronicles, which is uh, Roll With It. Yeah. Both good albums. Yeah, I like, I know the, you don't I like, like the, other, the other one better. I agree. I like, um, I do like Back in the High Life better because yeah. you, it's more introspective. It's cool. It's got, it's seven fucking Grammy nominations. It has Higher Love, High Life Again, The Finer Things. Um, and I knew Freedom Overspill and Split Decision. Those are two songs that got radio airplay as well. But those, those are all like legit good yeah. songs. And Valerie is too. I really, I really like the song. Me too. And then roll with it. So, so, so that happened in 1986, which I think like reinvigorated people around Steve Winwood, and they looked back again and were like, oh, these are some good songs back here. Yeah. Valerie's a good song. And so when they released Chronicles again, Valerie became a hit, which was an older song remix. Right. Do you like Valerie? I do like it a lot. I think it's a really good song. I'm with you though. Uh, I like the 82 version better. I'm happy the 87 one exists though. Cause maybe I never would have heard the 82 one otherwise. Exactly. And, um, I think it's a really good song. It's some, uh, Steve Winwood is fantastic. I, I sometimes, sometimes I get mad at Steve Winwood. You know, I get really, I get, I punch, <laughs> I get angry. I punch walls and stuff. You know, I get so mad at my house. No, but all kidding aside, like, it's like, ah, I don't know, man. Maybe, you know, instead of being like 18,000 different bands, or whatever, like just do your thing. I don't know. Like, I feel like this isn't fair, but, Maybe, like, he should have been more. Like, he wasn't enough. Well, didn't Billboard Charts guy come on and talk? He had, like, 10. He had 10 top 10 hits, though, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I know. I know. But, like, I, I, I but like he did give me some love when he was, like, 15 or whatever. I know. It's crazy. That is, like, um, and then, like, we talked about the stuff he did with Traffic, and those songs are incredible. Yes. It's like, all right, well, now what? But instead of just, like, 
It did fizzle for like a good 10 years. And it fizzled pretty quickly again, it did. again after this 80s run. It did. And then he was gone. Well, at this time, he's in his 40s. And it's like, you. I know. Like, this is a little. So when you get to high, back in the high life, it's introspective. It's a little bit, it's particularly the lyrics, but he didn't write a lot of the lyrics. That, um, yeah, I mean, I guess. Early, no, but, but it's late more. Late 30s, so he was done. No, no, high, no, because uh, 40, 50, 80, 60, 70. You know, you're right. 38, he's 86. Uh, thir- in 86, he's 38. So, four, he's 48. Guess, so by 40, he's done. Yeah, pretty much. Well, he was doing other stuff. It's just never, he was never yeah, going to crack the charts again. Done. Well, but when you're in your 40s, it's really no, hard, really hard to like. Right. I know, but I, I don't know. I Because you do get to listen. To, I mean, if you listen back in the high life, he's introspective old rocker guy. I know. Like you listen to these all sort of nostalgic songs. I'm thinking about, you know, my life going out too fast. And, and it's all these introspective things. Like that only lasts so long. I just don't, you don't feel like he. Yeah, I do. Left I feel himself like he, on the table. I do feel like he underachieved. Yeah. And that's really weird though, because. Of how he had a long great career, prolific. Right. I know, but I just think he like, I maybe I maybe I overvalue him to some extent. I'm like, I mean, you know what? I, it feels like I, I don't. This is a weird comp, maybe, but maybe you people will agree. Like, okay, I don't. So, Ken Griffey Jr. Right? Yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. was one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. I don't put Steve Woodward on the Ken Griffey Jr. scale. No, he's like, no, he's not like uh, no, he's no. not. Yeah, like no. you know, in equivalence, but. Hear me out, I guess, yes. to the audience here. But like, so, you know, Steve Woodward never had Griffey Seattle stuff, but he's still really good. But like Griffey, then it goes to the Reds and it's like hurt every year, right? Yeah. But he's still finished with over 600 home runs. I know. But, when I, but honestly, when I think of Ken Griffey Jr., the very first thing I think of is, oh man, like we should have got more. I feel the exact same way with Ken Griffey Jr. You're, you're like, but that's he not should fair. be, he is stratosphere. But he should have been- First ballot Hall of Famer. But he should have been 750 home runs. I know, he but that's been, that, what it a, is crazy. What a fair- Unfair. Like, so he, it's a really unfair measuring. He could have been. He should. He might. He should be in the discussion of top twenty players all time. Oh, he might be already. But he. But he could have been top. Three oh, I see what you're saying. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, oh, I agree. Like, it's like I agree. Yeah. So it does feel like a letdown, right? Yeah. And I said I don't put win with that same group, but maybe instead of being like top one hundred all time, maybe he should have been top twenty five. Right. And he's not. He's not there. It's hard though because he and yeah and actually because I also I know all the tools like um on uh on back in the high life yeah he no no sorry sorry, sorry. the first two albums that he did solo he recorded them in his home playing all the instruments dude that's like Valerie first time around wow yeah so when you, I mean. <laughs> Like that's an all-time talent. He can play on the fucking instruments, yeah. and, and he has a great voice. I love Steve Winwood's voice. He has a great voice. Great voice. So when you think about that, all of his tools, you're kind of like, hmm. And the problem, it's like if Ken Griffey got was took away his prime career, his 25 to 35 instead of you know from 32 to 40 or whatever. Right. That's what Steve Winwood did. He took away his sort of like prime mm. youthful years, late 20s to, to late 30s. Right, right, Where right. he just was a session musician with another guy or doing Tommy or doing whatever. Where if he would have concentrated on his own music, he probably would have made some innovative fucking awesome hits. I mean, I get it. Like, you know, I get like not wanting to anymore. And I get like, hey, I'm going to do this because it makes me happy. So, I mean, I don't besmirch the guy. And the guy's- No. Uh, but like the same token, you're like, oh man, like I wish- I don't know. But normally that range is like you're in your early 20s till mid 30s. It's like you're 22 or 23 till you're 37. Right. Where his was when he was like you know, 14, 14 to 22. To 20, right. right. And then like this so 25 gap. or something. Yeah. Or yeah. 20, 28. And then he just stopped for a while or just didn't do his own stuff for a while. 
So that is a little bit sad, but he's he's an he really is an all time. So talent. you agree with me that like Winwood yeah. is so much better than Hornsby, like because Bruce Hornsby is a, is a hack. So Hor- uh, Bruce Hornsby's great, but he's not on the level right, of uh, right. of no way, no t- totally different, um, totally different style, different. That's a hot yeah. debate you hear the kids have a lot, you know, even oh, now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, the old right. Winwood Hornsby. Debate. I mean, people, people, you know. No, that's not. They're they're, they're contested. Totally different. Right. To me. Way different. Um, I. Yeah, I, I, I just, uh, I, I do think it, it's sort of a letdown. So the difference between the two songs, though, um, is the producer the t- second time around. So the producer is Tom, um, here, I want to get his name right because he has, uh, he has brothers too. Uh, okay, sisters. Tom Lord Algae is his name. Right. No, there were three producers in the same family. There's Chris Lord Algae, Tom Lord Algae, and I can't remember the other one. Chris is the more famous one. Oh. I have like plugins that try to sculpt uh, sound using sounds that he would use that I use in my, so it's the CLA, the Chris Lord LG like plugins. But Tom is very accomplished too. Tom is the one that produced these albums. So he, so what happened was Winwood went to Chris and Chris was like, well, I'm trying to get my, my brother kind of elevated. So do you, you know, I'll be here too, but can he produce, can he produce, can he engineer your album? And Winwood's like, yeah, let's try it. I really love, he loved their setup. He, he had like all these different keyboards that could play um, this very innovative studio Chris had. So it's like, yeah, let's do this. And so Tom, Tom, Tom did, um, Tom did back in the high life. Again right. And was like, Oh, I really love the way that this sounds. And it does sound very good. So then he had Tom do the next three albums. He had Chronicles. So like redo all, all these other hits that he had. And then did, um, did the, the third, the, uh, what was it? Roll with it. Oh, the roll with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That one afterwards. But I, and I like, so I like the way the other two albums sound. And I like even some of the things that he did with the other tracks on this album, I like, but I do not like at all what they did with Valerie. So I'll show you what he did. If you listen, so here's the intro to the original Valerie. You'll hear it. Listen to the snare. Snare. Now listen to the most recent one. Hear that snare? It's like a fucking atom bomb hit. He's got so much verb on this mix that it annoys the hell out of me. Everything has all this verb. When you listen to the vocals of the original one, what uh, what Steve Winwood does when he mixes it himself, when he when he did the whole thing himself, is he put uh, put a delay on, which is an echo. It's like a pop 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 pop. You hear the delay on his voice, and he does have delay on his voice in the in the in the newest mix that uh, that Tom did, but there's also this giant verb on it, and he puts this giant verb on everything. That snare is so fucking obnoxious; it really it really rubs me the wrong way. It's just all all this air, and it's on everything. It's on the keys, it's on the voice, it's on the bass, it's on the kit and the snare. Don't like it. I like the drier, more intimate version that Steve Winwood did himself. I like it better as well. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's so much better. Um, Tom did a bunch of stuff. He did uh, he um, he did like crash test dummies later on. He did uh, Supernatural. Um, he he's a well regarded producer, but I just didn't like what he did with this thing. Um, what else? Chronicles. So, oh, he also remixed. Uh, what I did like was his remix of Why You See a Chance. Well, you see a chance. I liked his remix on Chronicles more than I liked the original. I thought he did a good huh. job with that one, but um, there you go. Any, uh, oh, I did want to say too. So it's, it also, this song creates the perfect 
rap loop? Oh, dance uh, loop? There was um, the original one was by this guy by, uh, uh, named DJ Falcon, which is a good one. But then I came across the one by Eric Prince from 2004. And um, it's like fucking awesome. It's the perfect <laughs> How awesome is that loop? It's good. Right? You probably said rap loop? Ah, uh, it's dance. Yeah. The other one's rap. How they mix that in? Oh, it's so sick. It's good, it's good, yeah. It's good. I, I like could it. do that all day. Oh, I could yeah. just be be there all fucking You're day. You're at the club, right? I, I, could, I like I'm, it. I'd like to. I like it. I think you should go. Big <laughs> video. Uh, yeah, so anyway, so I think that's about it. Steve Winwood. Great song. Very good. Great song. I will say um, the later video is better than the first one. It is, yeah. But, I mean, it's more modern, so. Yeah better but uh underwhelming career but very good career yeah. so it's very strange it very strange i do like him i had a uh, talented guy i had uh i did get um back in the high life i did get that album we talked about this before and it was that penny like the mm, you know Columbia. The penny, right i was so psyched to get that album i don't know why but uh so i know it pretty well i listened to shit oh that's shit, a good one shit of it when i was a little little kid yeah um steve Winwood. steve Winwood. where were you uh yeah it's a quick story uh it's tough you know this uh when we were kids uh, in the 80s, but um, I don't know if this happened exactly roughly around this time, I guess. But uh, I talked before, my dad was a stagehand. I uh, did a show called Me and My Girl in New York. Um, and this was right when it opened, so this might be actually earlier than this, but whatever. Uh, and um, so I, I think it might have even been an 86 instead of 87, because I want to say my mom might have been pregnant but with my sister, but regardless. So we went out, we went out to eat before. So we were going to go see the show. Um, my dad got us tickets, and we had mm. never seen the show. It was actually my first time in the theater, a theater where I would end up spending quite a bit of time in the next you know, couple of years uh, to follow that. Um, but Marriott Marquis was brand new. If you ever go to the Marriott Marquis, if you're in Times Square, me and my girl was the first show to play there. And when it opened, it was a big deal. And it was uh, one of the first things in Times Square to kind of shepherded that change a little bit. I mean, the change really wouldn't happen until Giuliani was there, like full-fledged, you know, M&M store change, yeah. Disney store change. But this was kind of like, all right, this is like, you know, a little less strip clubs or a little less peep shows a little bit more like bringing obviously Broadway's always there, but so, you know, this is like in a very prominent spot. It really is. Um, where Mark, Mary Marquis is. And they had a glass elevator. It's very fancy and it's still there. Uh, and you can take a restaurant, uh, go and try to take the elevator to the top. And there's a restaurant that, uh, rotates, uh, on top of Mary Marquis and Mary and Mary Marquis was, especially for its time, was a very nice hotel. And, uh, uh, they spared no expense on the, um, the stage. This is why mm. my dad was very lucky to get that spot. Because you knew that the very first show was probably going to last longer than most, end up lasting longer than anyone would have thought. But they also was a great place to work because you had all the new hydraulics and all right. the new stuff. So being a station there was great. It was like being a pilot for a new plane. Yep. Like it was just it was great to have a, a brand new thing to work with. Um, so it was cool to go. Like to go there was like an event. I remember being really excited to go and like um, to go in the glass elevator when I'm like six or seven is pretty cool. But before that, I said we. My dad probably worked two shows that day, because Saturday and Broadway have two shows. So I'm guessing he probably met with us. And then he went back to work. And I remember me, my mom, me and my grandmother, I guess it's not super important, but we all went out to eat. And it wasn't like a fancy place. It might have even been fast food, but I can't remember. Yeah. But my mom put her purse on a chair. And we were eating, and then we turn around, and all that's left is straps. So oh, someone came by with a razor blade and and took the purse and, and left the straps, um, which was, which was a thing at the time. Like women were like, um, walking in the street and these guys would come with razor blades and take the purse. Jesus um, Christ. My mom like was really, my mom lived in the city for a long time. So she was a little savvy to it. Yeah. But she felt like a jackass. She's like, sure. oh, I shouldn't have done Like she knew, like, I know better than that. I shouldn't have done that. 
Um, I should have put it on my lap. That was, that was foolish on me, but she was, uh, by that point we had been in suburbia so long and she kind of, you kind of lose that edge a little bit. And, um, I know you have since you've come back. Oh, I have. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Hmm. I don't. Yeah. You, yeah. It's a little while you, you lose, you lose that edge a little bit. Uh, like, you know, kind of my dad would always say like spidey sense. Like you kind of know, like when trouble's around, you kind of just feel it. But like when you're in this, you, you do lose it. But, um, if you're in the city or in a dangerous area, I always say, trust your gut. And I always say, try, if you in a situation that doesn't feel right, get out of it. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Just, just get out of it. Just, just good advice. I've kind of always done that. I've also done stupid shit too. Um, like for instance, so yeah. So anyway, so that happens. You know, my mom got, got mugged and it got me thinking, I'm like, I've never really been mugged. I've never really been robbed. I've, I should have been robbed and mugged. I, I fell asleep in the subway, uh, in New York and You're I woke up like a bunch. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I fell asleep. I was drunk, you know, drinking. And, uh, I passed out in the subway around you know, two in the morning, uh, on the way home. I, I was, uh, I was in Manhattan. I was, um, I got to the Penn station. I jumped yep. on, um, a train that would bring me all the way back to my, my, my place. It was a late night trains don't run, yeah. don't run as often, yeah. but I got a train. And before we had gotten into Queens, I, I passed out and I woke up and I was like, just sprawled out <laughs> like in this, I woke up to banging. Bang, 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 bang. And I woke up and it was cops like banging the, like the, um, the, the, yeah. the handrail yep. to wake me up. Yeah. Cause I passed out. And I like, I was like sprawled out. Like I was like, and, um, I, all I did was my first instinct was to run. So I just ran out of the subway <laughs> and then I ran out of the subway. And I realized like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the last stop. I'm in Jamaica, Queens, which is a very, very, very last stop. Uh, uh, and I'm like, I have nowhere to, where am I going? So then I went back on the subway, like a clown and the cops are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I passed out. He's like, you can't do that. Don't fall asleep in the train. Like, they say that people have been cutting people's pants and taking the wallets and stuff. It's like, you, you were so vulnerable. Like, what you, I'm like, I know I'm an idiot. I'm like, I haven't, you know, my wife at the time, like I, I told her I was on my, I was told I'd be right, right home. And I, I'm being, I'm, believe yeah. me, I'm, I'm in hot water here. Yeah. I'm supposed to take the dogs out and everything. Like, you know, like I, you know, and the cops are just like, you're an idiot. You know? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah, I know. And, uh, but I'm thinking like, you know, talk about moron, like talk about totally unsafe. I mean, like, I usually could have been robbed or God only knows why, you know, they could have, you know, and you know, it, it just, you know, most people are good. You know, luckily most situations are good, but all it takes is one bad person to, that's it. Um, so, you know, don't, 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 don't drink too much. You know, if you're drinking that much, also like jump in a cab. Like, what am I doing? Why, why, right. why take the subway? You know, right. like, what am I doing? That's on me. You know, don't be a clown. Um, stupid. Uh, but I've never been mugged and I really probably should have been. There's other, other times too, where I've gone down probably the wrong alleys late night or I, I, I just, sometimes I, especially in my younger days, I think I would be a bit more like free with risk. Yeah. Like I'd be like, oh, let's try that. I'm kind of one of those. I used to be one of those guys more, I think. Hopefully not as much anymore. Well, you don't really have the same opportunity here as you did there. I mean, it was a lot No, but even when I was living here, like, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do that. Be, yeah. yeah, it's too crazy shit, you know? Or just like, eh, I don't care. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll, it'll all work out. You know, kind of like that invincible element or, or just like not, but like, oh, you probably should be more more careful. Yeah, I got one life. Yeah, right. Right. So that that's pretty dumb. So did you ever get mugged? Mike, I've never been mugged. I, uh, I don't know that I've ever... I mean, I'm sure I've been. Did you get a car radio stolen? My memory never right? Is nope, I uh, never got that. Nope, that never happened. No one. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever broken into my car. No, I think I've been. No one's like violent. No one's been in my house. Like no robbery. Yeah, me either. N- none of that either. No. A guy I worked with when he was a kid. He was a little kid. Uh, he said like white rugs at his house, mm. and they left. They went. No, no. Went somewhere. And they came back. When they came back, the window, the living room window, was broken. Someone had broken in. And when they broke in, they cut themselves. Oh. And the whole white carpet was just red with blood from the robber. Um, and he says, he says, it really, he said, even to that day, like 30 years later or whatever, he still doesn't 
feel 100% safe at home all no, the time. No, that would feel like, extremely violating. If anybody yeah. has ever been in your home without your permission, that, that I can imagine that feels extremely... It's real psychological damage there. It's like, it's worse than like what, what, like what we lost in the robbery. Like, yeah. like my mom lost some jewelry or something, say. But like, but the idea of someone being in your home... Yes, not invited. They, they can get in. And I mean, people could, people could get in. It's it easy. can happen. It's yeah. We have glass around our houses. Right. It's not that hard to break into a house. I know. Um, if someone, if someone you know, have you any other break ins for you? No. Nothing ever happened. No, I remember hearing stories. I think my uncle had like a car radio and they stole that. He got another one. They stole that. And then like eventually he put in like, he had like a transistor radio put in there and they broke it and stole that. <laughs> And, and, you know, and I, you know, you see in New York in the eighties, you'd see people like have, taping their car, like, you know, radio doesn't work. Don't, don't bother. You know, my, like, just don't break my windows, please. Cause that's like the biggest pain in the ass is got to replace the, the windows. Here. Yeah. My grandfather would take his, uh, Cadillac insignia off the top front of his car. Oh, when he would drive into like the city. Yeah. People would just steal those and wear them around their neck. I guess oh, in the eighties. That sucks. Yeah. Like, uh, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. I actually, I think I could be remembering this, this wrong, but I have this recollection that Cadillac made it so that you could tuck them under the hood. I think you're right. At yeah, some point too, because right. this was just like a scourge. <laughs> Scourge. I don't know. Th- something. Uh, no, I've never been. N- nothing, nothing. It's gotta like be that. like, a, you know, especially back then. I feel like crime is obviously in a decline here, luckily, but, um, you know, you, you, you know, you hear people like go pick up their car and the car is gone. You're like, yeah, oh, it sucks. Like terrible, terrible. You know, sell the car for parts, whatever they do, the, you know, chop shop, whatever they do there, you know, but. Uh, I know it's awful, but uh, yeah, luckily I would never knock on wood here. I've never, never been robbed, but, um, but I certainly put myself in situations where I could have been very easily. You did. And having your family I mean, having your mom in plain sight, it's not like you, mom, were, yeah. you were right there. I know. That's crazy. They move quick. You know, they, you know, they know what they're doing. Cause they have like razor. I don't know if it's like a, um, like a, um, like a box word? cutter. Yeah. And you just like, or how do you do it? But yeah, I guess it was like, like you'd feel like you'd have to grab the strap and do it. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe so it, it was actually just a sharp knife. that did it. I don't know, but they got it quick. I mean, they got it too. I mean, I was what, six or seven, so I wasn't, I don't know what the fuck was going on, but, uh, but my mom was right there. I was sitting right there. My mom, you know, it wasn't like she was new to the city. And right. They, you know, yeah, you got, especially back then Times Square in New York, you know, 1986, 87, you got, got to be more aware of that. But she and knew that. She was like, ah, she was more embarrassing. Than she's like, ah, I'm sure. But it kind of sucks. Like either they, you know, they robbed this mom or they or they robbed like a pregnant woman i know like that's kind of scum really shitty but like, they were looking for a mark though my, i think my dad said my dad's like well that's why like they no shit that's what, that's what they want yeah like i think i asked him like why would you steal from pregnant was like well that's exactly who you steal from right they can't chase you yeah you know like it's, it's yeah they're gonna defend their yeah, right they're, they're not gonna, gonna put themselves in harm way right. so it's like it's the easiest target right they're probably looking for that oh fuck those guys then. i know right they're probably that's what, they, dead. That's what people you know so they go after you know old people and yeah. People who are, that's, that's, that's rough. And they go, it is rough. They, the they vulnerable. Find the most vulnerable and go after. That's, that's pretty fucked up way yeah. to live, I guess. But I, everybody, you know, I don't know. <sighs> All right. Well, crime is bad. Crime is, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> John Candy never would have done that. Oh. No. No. Um, Want to hear what's in the news? Mm-hmm. So on November 29th, uh, Joe Montana set the NFL record for completed passes in a row, 22. Hmm. Do you know who um, bested him? Uh, Quite a long time this held up, oh. actually. Okay. 20, I mean, I guess the smart money's on Brady, I guess. Yeah, it's not. Uh, 2018, um, November 18th was Philip Rivers did 25. Oh, wow. And then right after that, December 30th, Nick Foles <laughs> did 25 in a row. So there you have it. Uh, also, um, Super Bowl champion Nick Foles, by the way, against your New England Patriots. Yeah, that's right. It's weird. He turned out to be kind of a bust, huh? Yo, I mean, kind of. Yeah, he's a third string quarterback at Chicago right now. <laughs> I mean, it's few years I mean, later. I mean, kind of. Like, he won a Super Bowl. I mean, it's hard to say he's a bust. I mean, he wasn't really a bust because, like, he wasn't, like, a high draft. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
He was no, just kind know, of a flash he, but, in the pan. But they kind of, Philly thought that they had, they had something there. Well, they had Carson Wentz ready, though. That's true. Wentz is kind of a bust, too. Well, he's in the playoffs. I mean, he's it's not going to matter. <laughs> he's no Matthew Stafford. He's going to beat your uh, little New England Patriots there, buddy. They, they play so. each other. No, I don't think so. I like the Colts better than the Pats. They've already I, beat the Pats. Well, I know, that was a bad game. I yeah, think that, well, they played a bad game. That's what happens Shh. when you lose. Well, not always. Sometimes it's you can true. play a good game and you and yeah. lose. Some, well, of the, some of the best games of Brady Brady losing to a, a superior, like when they lost to Green Bay a few years ago and Brady was uh, still with the Patriots, of course. There was a good game by both mm. both teams, but Green Bay was just a little bit better. So Kirk, uh, of course, predicted that the Patriots would win the Super Bowl. What, what is your, I, I said they're much more likely to lose in the first round. What is I your, think they actually get to the Super Bowl, but they'll lose they to Green Bay. I think Green Bay gets to the uh, Super Bowl and beats them. Wow. Yep. Oh, that's pretty dumb. That's dumb. It's, it's dumb. a fucking prediction. It's a bad prediction. Well, hmm. I'll say smart money's on me. <laughs> you should bet on it. Make some money. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to bet. Your right. newfangled technique. Do you use an app? Of course. Yes. <laughs> I don't That's even it. know how to do yes. that shit. I've never been interested. I think the Pats are 15 to 1 to win the Super Bowl and like ink 8 to, oh. 1, to get, 8 to 1 to get there. Okay. Let's do this. No, I, 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 don't, I have no interest in betting. I'm just mm. never, I never really cared. A little right. blackjack at the table sometimes. You've really cared. You care about what? Make, making money? You don't care about making money? It's not, it doesn't. It's not, it's not a viable way to make money, I don't think. Mm. I mean, I remember one of us tried that a little bit. Baseball. <laughs> I'm better at football. Oh, I bet. I'm having, and, a, good, uh, I'm having a good year this year. making money. Congratulations. Thank I mean, you. It's awesome. You know, sun shines on dogs. Awesome. Yeah, last year I was in a great spot. Uh, I'm, I'm up. Yeah, this year is better than last year. But the yeah. only problem was last year uh, I got killed uh, in the NFC Championship game when Green Bay beat, or Tampa beat Green Bay. Right. And then I got killed in the Super Bowl when Tampa, Tampa killed me twice. To be Kansas City. I put a lot of money in Kansas City. So that I should have, I ended up having a bad year last year. It made sense that you, I would have thought, I thought that Kansas City was going to win that game that too. That was a but, tough one. That was um, a tough one. So I, I'm a little nervous this year. I'm like, oh, I'm in great shape. I'm in better shape to start the playoffs than I was last year. Yep. But I'm worried. I'm, you know, I got, I got really got socked in the, in the nose last year. I, I actually believe that you would be good at betting just because you so. have such, you know, I know you get obsessed with the analytics part mm. of it, the numbers, but hopefully this works. Out. Hopefully. We need, we need a good playoffs this year. Congratulations if, if you do win. But I'm glad you maybe, maybe taper it off. Maybe don't maybe don't bet from if you're up, take the money off the table. No, no, I'll bet I'll bet I'll bet football. But no, I'll, I'm not gonna bet baseball either last year though. Yeah. Baseball's too random. It's too hard. Yeah, it's random. Yeah. Some too many games. Yeah, right. Yeah. Football's easier. Uh so they started digging the channel on December first. Do you remember what the channel is? It's the English thing. The tunnel connecting England and France yeah. underneath the English channel. Let's get some fun facts going about the channel. Thirty one miles long. Hmm. Opened November 14th, 1994 to passengers. It was open before that for like uh, sending packages and mail and shit like that, but uh, not until uh, November 14th, 1994. So it took quite a long time. It was the most expensive construction project at the, tw- at the time. $21 billion in today's dollars. I I can't remember what the big dig cost, but it was billions, wasn't it? Under Boston? I think it was billions. Probably. Wow, forever. Uh, it was for, way over budget. This was over budget too, by like 80%. That, that's how it always is. The fucking government construction projects uh, at the height of construction, 13,000 people were working on the channel. Um, 10 deaths overall, 10 people fucking died, dude. 10. Well, it's a good man. Yeah. It's a lot. What do you want to say? How many passengers per day? Do you think that this thing, this the thing channel? has on? Yeah. What would you guess? Been in New York subways. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Say 8,000, 60,000 passengers. 000. 4,600 trucks, 7,300 cars every single fucking day. 25% of all trade between the UK and Europe goes through the really? channel. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's not air. It's not boat. It's the fucking How channel. long have we driving it again? 
It's a thirty-one. Uh, mi- it's thirty-one miles. Oh. Um, so I think you can you can drive and park your car. And go. Pretty sure. Drive and park your car and go. Right? Yeah, like a like a ferry would yeah. would happen on uh, on like made. We we yeah. saw them ferrying all over the right, place. Yeah. The show. Um. There you go. Yeah, I don't like the channel, I guess. Or do I like it? I don't know. I would, I would totally. I think it's such a great, that's an awesome thing. Can no, I, I like the I said it. What do you mean? What? Oh, I'm glad I convinced you. Thank you. Yeah, that was so easy. You sometimes you're more of a pain in the ass. Yeah, no, you, so. I'm pro channel. Like pop. You're pro, pro channel. Um, December 2nd also was the Hustler Magazine versus Fallwell. Oh. Case, which we covered, uh, of course. Sorry, friend, of course, yep. yeah. Um, where, uh. Hustle, you know, just a short recap. Hustle was satirizing, uh, satirizing, satirizing. Yeah, that's right. Sounds so wrong when I say that. Satirizing. Reverend, uh, Reverend Falwell. So he sued, and um, it was just a hustle. It was upheld for uh, for uh, for for Larry Flint and for Hustler Magazine. You could parody fucking people, right. and it was obviously a parody. Even at the bottom of the parody, it said, "This is a this is a parody." It was so dumb. Uh, good thing he won. Helped us. Helped us all, all, all us parody people. Anyway, that was December 2nd. There we go. That's news. All right. Ba-ba-dum-bum-bum. So we're back next with uh, a Patreon show, which is going to be a three man and a baby. Tomorrow. And a Brandy, uh, Brandy Carlisle. Is that right? Who's it? Yeah. Belinda Carlisle. Belinda Carlisle. Brandy Carlisle is a new singer. Belinda Carlisle. Go-Go's. Uh, but solo. She's got the beat. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, uh, and, that's, and then next week, we're back with a Tarantino. Yes. Once upon a time in Hollywood. So yep. So... You guys tomorrow for okay. a patron and next week if you're not. Yeah, we'll see. Bye. All right.